attention, attention please. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is on the air. Hello and welcome to the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. My name is Christopher Thomason. I'm your host for this and many, many more trips down memory lane. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is a podcast dedicated to collecting the stories, the history, the memories of Camp Ojibwa for Boys in Eagle River, Wisconsin, founded 1928. Today's guest on the podcast, Rob Pador. That's right, I'm back for the second show of the week with brothers. Rick Pador was... Earlier this week, now you're going to hear Rob. Rob and I had a great time. Our conversation was full of stuff that uh, couldn't make the air. Uh, So a lot of stuff was cut out, but you're going to hear plenty of good stuff nonetheless. One of these days, I have to take the Patter Twins uh, off the record stuff and get it on the record somehow. Amazing. Meanwhile, here at camp, it's a rainy day, beautiful day, because we're heading to Agawak for a social later. All of camp, going to Camp Agawak for a social. But... Rainy nonetheless, and your host is woefully still under the weather. Ten days in. Oh, gotta shake this. This is getting a little bit ridiculous. Before we get to the show, just want to mention again, the Walk of Fame, the Camp Ojibwe Walk of Fame, the bricks are back up for sale. If you would like to get a commemorative brick to have eternally on the grounds of Camp Ojibwe, right there at the Collegiate Week bench or the Yellow bench, depending on what era you're from, uh, you can do so. Just head over to the website, www.campojibwahistory.org, and click on Walk of Fame. Also, big news about the uh, OJ90, 90th Summer Celebration, coming out very soon. Keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. But enough about that. Here we go. Rob Patter on the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. So in that particular case, I'll sit for, uh, Put that thing as close as you're comfortable with. Yeah. In that particular case, uh, you know, Gary thought it was a remedy. could never be wrong. I, we, one of us would turn our heads. Sure. But uh, like I said, that it was just a great... You know, being a camper was a lot different uh, than being a counselor. Certainly. Certainly. And that's one of the difficulties of twins at camp, always, is how do you tell them yeah. apart? How do you not look, you know, like a jackass for not knowing them yeah. apart? And Rick, of course, uh, you know, became an Elliot protege. Sure. And I was, not that I was not interested in uh, journalism or being part of that, but, uh, you know, I was probably, I thought I was a little better athlete than my brother. I mean, he may think differently, but uh, <laughs> I think uh, when it came to our last year of collegiate week, I know I got picked ahead of him. Nice. But uh, and I won the week my last year as a camper, Army, 315 points. Ali Very was, nice. was the, the, the coach, and the, Bobby Nachman was the assistant coach. Wow. And it was a... 
I mean, we won the week before the weekend. I mean, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Well, we'll get there. Let's start. Uh, I always start everyone simply. State your name and your years at camp. Hi, Robert Pador. I was a camper from 65 to 68. And then uh, from, 70, uh, from 70 to 74, I was there four of the six years. I didn't want to be a third-year JC, and I don't remember mm. why the one year I decided not to be a senior counselor. My brother Rick uh, went all 10 years from 65 to 74, but I took two summers off, although I did come up for a few visits that summer. Nice. Now, there are those who would say that that counts, but, you know, <laughs> no. in the great pantheon, no. So how do you guys first find out about camp? Well, we had an older brother, who uh, Barry Patter, who went to camp in 62, ah. and we didn't start camp till 65. So gotcha. uh, we knew about the camp. You know, my mom and dad weren't going to send us some when we were in cabin one or two. Sure. So our first year at camp, we were, in, we were 12, and we were in cabin 10. Nice. is our first year. Nice. And you are, are you guys from Chicago? Yeah, we grew up in Lincolnwood, and uh, I'm living in Wilmette now. Rick lives in L.A. He moved out to L.A. in 85. I've uh, had a few homes. I'm divorced and remarried. I was in Northbrook for a while. I was in the city for a while. I was in Evanston for a while. Now I'm in Wilmette. Nice. Very nice. So in your time when you go to camp, what's that process like? Getting to camp. And well, they had the Keishan buses, of course. Mm. Uh, I remember earlier on they used to take trains up to camp, but I think my first year uh, in 65 we did take buses. We picked them up at Old Orchard, I believe. That sounds about right. And uh, like anything else, uh, you know, the good news is I had a twin brother. It wasn't like I was going to camp alone. So <laughs> I was going to say, did you have any other friends other than him, though, uh, in the beginning? You know what? I don't think so, but uh, we made friends immediately, whether it was the F Barry Feldman or it was Kenny Roffey. Uh, you just automatically made a ton of friends for life. Yeah. What's the first thing you remember about camp, getting there that first time? Well, you know what? When you're 12, my memory isn't that great. But, of course. Uh, of course, getting up there and uh, kind of getting your little space settled, and then all of a sudden you got to jump in the, the cold lake and do the four-pier swim. <laughs> To see if you're going to swim with the older campers or you're going to swim with the, the younger kids. If you, And, of course, uh, when you get into camp in the middle of June, the weather, Ugh. the temperature of the water is probably still close to 60. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we did it, and uh, you got through it, and then you had a good dinner. And, like I said, the programming just went on and on. And that when I was there, Al was there. Yep. So Al was a big part of camp and, the you know, the lineups in the morning and the dipper shower in the morning. You know, obviously, over the years, programs have changed, but sure. uh, I was there uh, when Al was still active at camp, and Denny was just the program director, and yeah. of course, Mickey Schwartz was there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember uh, what cabins you were in? Yes, I uh, was 10. Uh, we were in 11 my second year, and then I was in cabin 13 for two years, mm. 67 and 68. And as far as that goes, do you have guys who you were in the cabin, who were cabin mates with that oh, you yeah. stick I mean, out? and you know, there was well, Doug Meyer was younger than me, but uh, like I said, uh, some of the kids I know, Ronnie Berman was there, uh, Bobby Fink, uh, 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 like I said, Barry Feldman and uh, Kenny Roffey, uh, Bobby Kaufman. Uh, so there were, we were all about the same age. I could have mm. been a cabin in front, or maybe by that time, Bobby Kaufman was a junior counselor. Gotcha. But we were all within a year or two of one another, and we just made friends for life. Nice. 
Very nice. And what about counselors? Were there guys during that time that really yeah, stuck out for you? Uh, yeah, there were definitely legendary counselors. I mean, uh, I had this guy, Glenn Pfefferman, our, our, my first year at camp. They used to call him Sweater. I mean, this guy had more chest and back hair than anybody. <laughs> you know, at camp, you know, <laughs> I can just tell you, there's if you have a, a thin skin, you're in big trouble from day one. There's sure. a lot of shtick that always went up at camp. And for the most part, people took it, or you had your kids who maybe would go to Mickey or something. And but uh, you know, hazing at that time was uh, you know an ex- was acceptable. Yeah. In the Braves, there was a lot of hazing going on. I mean, obviously, sure. camp has changed, but uh, it was just part of the programming there, and you just accepted and you had fun, and you knew when it got to be your time to to make the to be picked to be a Brave, you just knew you were going to be digging. Digging dirt and doing all kinds of odd jobs and yeah. and abused and get spit on and uh, you know with, with, you had the the uh, pillowcase over your head and you got a little roughed up but uh, that was camp <laughs> that was it that was it that was the whole story yeah that's what that's we do. true it just it was yeah. the Braves program back there was an honorary program you weren't an automatic you had to have some character sure and obviously the older campers uh, had to say yeah I think Rob or Rick or and I don't think we were picked uh, until our second year at camp. Mm. I don't even think we were picked as 12-year-olds. I think, uh, from mm. what I remember, we were picked as uh, the following year when we were in Cabin 11. Yeah. I've heard some guys from that time say, though, even if you started late, if you were the right age, you still probably were going to be a second year. You wouldn't get yeah. picked your very I mean, first I mean, I knew year. at some point I was going to get into the Braves. Yeah. But it wasn't, uh, I mean, I was going to join myself at camp whether I was a Brave or not. Uh, <laughs> You know, silence, you know, uh, who wants to be on silence and who wants to be, be hazed? But, uh, but once you became a brave, it was, uh, it was very prestigious. We looked, you know, I was never a uh, medicine man or the scribe or uh, the other various roles. Uh, I wasn't one of those guys, but uh, Rick and I were pretty well respected. I don't think Rick ever, uh, uh, David Manazar, who's our age, I think he was the chief of the braves and Mike Lewis could have been a scribe. I mean, I, I got to bring back some names, but I don't remember when we got into the Braves whether uh, Rick or I ever had a distinct position other than being a Brave. Gotcha, gotcha. Are you also, you're sort of contemporary with Futransky too, right? Is he around? Well, Alan was younger than me, and uh, Alan was kind of part of an, the Elliott uh, kind of hangout mm. and, and that group with uh, Steve Elrod and Mark Nachbar. Uh, so I believe... You know, being younger, I could have been on a team with Alan. Sure, you know, gotcha. We were very active in leagues, and uh, so you were definitely with older kids sometimes. As a matter of fact, when I was in Cabin 10, I was uh, my last year of Pineapple League, and then, of course, when I got into 11, then I was in Watermelon League, so I was a 13-year-old playing with 15-year-olds. So, wow. You know, that wasn't always very easy. Cause I, I that's remember, tough. <laughs> uh, I remember one year they allowed JCs to be uh, the coaches and players of the team. So I remember Louis Schwartz wasn't the, you know, he was kind of a rough guy, fabulous athlete. But I remember he called a little team meeting uh, during a game, and uh, I was playing second base. And, uh, you know, he says, you better make a play, and and I'll do my best. And I'll never forget, he threw a punch me right in my gut, caught me off guard. And just uh, just get it done. I mean, it, it was just an expectation. Yeah. You couldn't pop out. I mean, you couldn't be a puppy at camp. You had to stand tall and, and make all the plays and uh, to be accepted. Yeah, absolutely. That's how it was. That's the uh, you know, camp has changed a lot. As oh, you it's said. changed a lot. But I mean, that I'm was not definitely a part any, of it. Any, any yeah. It just you know uh, our uh, culture has changed. Right. 
And camp right. has changed accordingly. Exactly. Now, you said that uh, you were a better athlete than your brother. Were you a sports guy already when you, yeah, when you got to camp? You you know, already... we, we always played softball. Actually, I played Little League, but softball. And I remember when I was up at camp, and, and I had no idea they were doing drafts. And I remember in Little League, I was a, a good little catcher. So here I'm trying out for Pineapple League. And at what position you want to try out? I said, well, I'm a catcher. Well, generally in Pineapple League, the catchers are paper picks. <laughs> right. And here I saw all my friends getting picked, and uh, I was a paper pick. I was so embarrassed. Uh, I didn't get picked in the first five or six players, and the rest of them got picked in the lodge. Yeah. But I did make a – I was on a team, and, uh, you know, you saw I was a better athlete than being a catcher, and I actually played third base. And Jimmy Rubens was our shortstop. I think we were oh, the okay. Eagles. We had a pretty good team. I don't think we, uh, we got a plaque that year. But I think Mike Martyr was our coach, and uh, I played third base. And uh, so I was a pretty good pick as a paper pick to play yeah, third base. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Didn't help us much, but, uh, you know, it was like my first year at camp. Yeah, surprise pick of the draft. Was softball your favorite sport? Uh, yeah, I think that basketball was fun, too. But, you know, I wasn't really tall and... Uh, so I certainly didn't have much of an inside game. And, uh, you know, I was an average volleyball player. And I don't remember if they had soccer uh, when, when I was yeah. back at camp in the 60s. It was more volleyball, basketball, and softball. Those were the leagues other than collegiate week. Right. And collegiate I mean, week, soccer you, you, came, I think, a, a year or two later. But I don't remember being part of a soccer league when I was a, a camper initially. Yeah. And with Collegiate Week, you basically play everything. That's once yeah. that kicks in. And now, Collegiate Week, as we all know, is arguably the greatest sports event in the history of all sports events ever had anywhere. Uh, <laughs> there's, it's just a, just a shade above the World Series and, uh, and the World Cup, I think. Um, tell me about your experience with Collegiate Week. Well, the first couple of years, like I said, uh, you know, I was younger and uh, I wasn't a top pick. I may have even been a paper pick. I think they only did six rounds in the, in the rec hall. And then they went up to the lodge and picked the balance of the team. So I don't remember. I was on Wisconsin, and I remember we finished in the middle of the pack. Uh, Steve Wolf, I remember, was our, our captain or coach. And, uh, I don't, you know, like I said, I was 12. Uh, we did okay, but it wasn't uh, – we didn't uh, get any trophies by any means. I think we did okay in song night on Wisconsin. I mean, sure. how do you screw that one up? But uh, <laughs> there's other uh, song nights that are a little more problematic, some of the – uh, the song. So I remember we did well on song nights. Nice. Uh, you said that uh, Elliot, eventually you'd have a team yeah, where Elliot was your coach. We had an unbelievable team. Uh, you know, Mike Lewis was the first pick. Uh, he was first, first. Uh, I obviously, uh, we got the, uh, the last pick in the second round, the first pick in the third round. So mm -hmm. I think, uh, Larry Robbins was, uh, and I were picked. And then, uh, we, you know, Mike Lewis was a great track star. And then we had Roger Glick who was, you know, we didn't even need him for the for the swim because, <laughs> I mean, like I said, we virtually won the week before the weekend. But, uh, wow. I mean, he was an unbelievable swimmer. And, uh, of course, when, you, when you're when you dealing with Elliot, you're going to have a, a good song night. I was going to say, stunt. you're going to have a great stunt, right? So, uh, <laughs> you know, we always had a good stunt, but it was it was like... Do you remember what it was? You know what? I really don't remember. Yeah. Uh, I wish I could, but... Uh, because I mean, we, you know, we kind of botched song night because, like I said, Army uh, doesn't really have. Uh, oh yeah. You know, not so much their their fight song, uh, but their their alma mater was a little something, and I think we kind of. But I think at that point uh, it didn't matter. We killed them <laughs> on the obstacle course, and I remember we distanced the second place team, and it was uh, it was fun winning the week for the first time. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And then when you were a staff guy, did you coach? The week? Yeah, I did coach, and uh, I never won the week. I was pretty competitive. Like, I, I thought I was a 
pretty good at drafting. I mean, we took the draft very seriously. You of know, course. Uh, whether it was Barry Feldman having a team and uh, Kenny Rafi. I mean, it was our my contemporaries. And uh, like I said, we, we thought we'd draft the best team. On paper, we looked like we were the best team, but uh, all depending who we were playing and, and whether it's box hockey or chin-ups, you never knew who you're going to be uh, going up against. And uh, so those were there were no guarantees. And uh, the the uh, the senior activities, you know, you know, they had marbles in those days. Sure. Uh, ping pong. So uh, it's been a while since we've had those marbles are the in the week. <laughs> tough things you really can't handicap. That's true. That's but, true. Uh, you know, we knew who the tennis players were. You knew who your basketball players were. So, uh, but the JV sports, uh, you know, you know, you know, you know who your softball, who are the good softball players, but who do, who really know how good is somebody at marbles? Uh, right, absolutely. You know, there were a couple of kids that uh, I remember when the early evening uh, activities, uh, they had chin-ups. There was a uh, uh, Bobby Coco, or they had, they had a couple of kids who were doing thirty and forty chin-ups. So uh, maybe if you get them as a late round pick or a paper pick, you know, uh, you're you're pretty good get at some at points your late for that activity. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, these days at camp, um, we don't really play tennis. Tennis never comes into play except for the week. So about 10 days out, you'll see a couple of the older kids go out and start to practice a little bit. Yeah, well, they used to have a ladder tournament. Uh, they, right. I don't know if they still have they that. They don't. But... They don't at all. Although I'm hoping if um, there is a little interest in ping pong. So I'm hoping if nothing else, I can get a ladder tournament back for ping pong. Yeah, they had a, they had a nice board in the lodge, yeah. and they had pegs with names on it. And uh, it seemed to work okay. I was just a fair tennis player, but... Uh, you know they got more courts now, and yeah, uh, absolutely easier to get on and play. So uh, I mean, yeah. camp has changed a lot. Sure, Rick and I are hoping to go up there uh, this summer uh, in uh, June, uh, and I know he's planning on contacting Denny and taking care of some. I think he took care of some unfinished business. Excellent, excellent. Uh, when the, I think he got on the phone uh, when he, when uh, you were out in L.A. and he was part of that evening, and uh, so I think uh, yeah. Panther boys will be okay back at camp. Absolutely. I think that's fantastic. Uh, I, I will tell you, part of this project is getting to talk to guys, and, and it always amazes me that, you know, I've talked to a lot of guys who live in the Chicago area, and, and they all see each other, and they do camp things, and, and the first 10 guys on their speed dial are other camp guys, and all that stuff, and, and that's yeah, all part of it. Absolutely. But, but one of the things that I was probably more involved with than my brother, uh, you know, uh, I never made the Ojibwa singers, mm. but they had the Ojibwa chorus. And I think the, I don't remember, was the first year of camp or the second year, I made the Ojibwe, um, I'm sorry, I made the chorus, you know, the, they had pretty much locks on the Ojibwe singers. These sure. are the returning campers who just have been Ojibwe singers forever. But they decided to come up with the Ojibwe chorus, and I always made the chorus. And I remember I, uh, my second year of camp, I, I was asked, I don't remember, it was Lou Mager or Paul James, and uh, I, was, I had my own solo I did two numbers in the Jubilee. Very nice. Uh, uh, and then, of course, our last year as campers, Rick and I did uh, were a couple of swells. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> which was memorable, and that was fun with Rick. But Rick uh, didn't get as involved with the singing like I did. Mm. And they also used to have the eighth-week show. And I don't remember if Rick ever did any eight-week shows. I remember I did Peter Pan. Mm. Uh, I'd have to think about a couple others. But uh, I think they started the eighth-week show uh, the last year or two I was a camper Mike Bagan of course was yeah. uh, 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 Captain Hook and Elliot was Smee <laughs> of course and uh, <laughs> it was a hoot and yeah. uh, Bobby Nachman was in there and uh, there was some original music and of course there was some uh, 
old music from Peter Pan, but sure. uh, it was a lot of fun to be part of that. Yeah, I think that grew out of once the minstrel show went away and it was replaced with the Jubilee, then I think that the eighth week show kind of grew out of that. Prior yeah. to that, there had been a little bit of a staff show, but then it became something a little bigger. And So Rick and I uh, were well represented in uh, the rec hall. I mean, Rick was uh, very involved with the uh, medicine man and uh, right. he did the warrior the last several years and uh, kind of took over for Elliot and Bobby Kaufman and... Uh, so, we, Rick, I know he had some material he uh, had with you. Absolutely. And uh, we had a bunch of old reel-to-reels, too, that uh, I know he gave you a box full of stuff. Yeah. He gave me, uh, I sent off 10 reel-to-reels audios to get the uh, get them digitized. And so um, I should actually be getting those back in the next week or so. I'm super excited about that, because that's got stunt nights and jubilees from the late 60s into right. the 70s. So uh, Very cool stuff. Actually, I, I had that story, because Rick, when he moved to L.A., I kept, you know, I had room at my dealership, and uh, we just had a bunch, a box of Ojibwe stuff. And then finally, when he got settled in L.A., I says, you know, I want to get rid of this stuff. And, uh, <laughs> it's so your turn. He, he took it all. <laughs> nice. And my brother collects his stuff. I mean, it's that's how important camp was to us. The only thing I think I have a, at home, I have a, my Collegiate Week trophy, which I've, I forgot to bring, by the way, from 1968. That's awesome. But uh, what else was interesting, uh, in the mid-'90s, um, I got divorced, in, uh, or actually, I separated in 94. My divorce wasn't final in 96, but in 94, or maybe it was 95, I think it was 95, was the first year where they had an adult collegiate week. Yes. It was the week before camp, and uh, I felt this would be a perfect opportunity for me to get out of town. Sure, freshly. And of course, uh, yeah. Jimmy Rubens <laughs> was on our team, and Doug Meyer, <clears throat> Johnny Elrod, and of course, they had two other... Uh, Team. There were only four teams. Sure. We were Michigan. Illinois were the old, ti- the real old timers. <laughs> uh, what's his name? Um, whose son is now uh, uh, Nitzkin. Oh, uh, D- Dizzy Nitzkin mm-hmm. was with his contemporaries. They were Illinois. We were Michigan, and uh, there were two other teams. And there were the young one, Joel Ossoff, I remember, was on one of the teams. Sure. And these were the guys who were right out of college. Now, right. here, at that point, I was. Probably in my nineties, uh, uh, in my forties, and we won the week. So nice. uh, we had a real good team, and I got that trophy as well. And that was special because when I was going through my divorce, it was really uh, not a good time. And just to go up to camp and, and spend three or four days together, and uh, we won the obstacle course, and uh, we nice. just did a perfect team. Yeah. Chucky Alexander was on the team. It was just a really a memorable uh, few days up at camp, and uh, that's awesome. Yeah, and I know they had it for a few years, and I know that program ended some time ago. I know they yeah. have a basketball thing going on. Yeah, it was a thrilling four days at camp. For sure, I haven't been. Frankly, I haven't not been to camp, so it's been twenty years since I've been to camp. Well, it'll be awesome to get you guys up there. Yeah. Well, it ha- it's changed, but it hasn't changed that much. At the end no, of the day, I, you know what? I I I, I get all the pictures. I. You know, camp is different uh, now with with the uh, with the uh, internet and uh, yeah. with uh, <laughs> pictures every camp day. Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about Alan Pearl. About who? Alan Pearl. Al. Uh, you know, he always just the kind of guy you didn't want to mess around with. You you knew he was an icon and was respected. Uh, you just there was no chicanery. There was no monkeying around with Al. I mean, obviously, he was mucking around, but obviously, it was not uh, nowhere near uh, where Pearl and Al lived. Uh, you know, sure. you, what happened on the second field or the far field, you know, it was nobody's business. But when you were near, uh, you know, the, the the white chairs of the yellow bench or the or, or the mess hall, you kind of yeah put yourself <laughs> in a bad situation. 
because at that time Al had a paddle. And oh, I can wow. go on record as saying, I don't think I was ever paddled, but uh, Al had a paddle, and you go, in those days, uh, he, he sure. did something, and I mean, they didn't throw you out of camp, they give you a whack with the paddle. Wow. So uh, I think you knew about that, didn't you? Yeah, I, don't, I guess the, no one has mentioned the paddle at the time. Yeah, that but this the is the it, 60s. It, yeah, the, you know, certainly. the mores are a little different today than they were then. <laughs> sure. Uh, as far as Pearl, uh, you know, Pearl, you just had to be polite and, uh, you just had to watch your manners around Pearl. And, uh, you know, when we did chairs in the mess hall, there were certain chairs you couldn't do. You couldn't do any Ipsy Pipsies. Pearl didn't like <laughs> Ipsy Pipsy, Pearl, you know, Pooh. So, uh, Pooh Pa, Pearl, blah. You know, I mean, that was, so, uh, you know, the red light went on, and uh, you know, sometimes she'd hit the buzzer a few times because <laughs> it took a while for the campers to quiet down sure, to hear of course. Uh, uh, announcements. But uh, Pearl was sweet. She was, uh, uh, I remember she got involved with Song and Stunt Night and was helpful in that area. And, of course, the Jubilee, you know, she always wanted to put her two cents in, and, uh, and she's a wonderful woman. I, like I said, I was young then, and uh, these were icons, the people... You just want to make sure you didn't want to get on their bad side. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what about some of the other uh, long-standing camp guys like Elliot, Steve Katz, I'm sure is there? Well, Katz, as a matter of fact, when I was a uh, junior counselor my first year, Steve was a uh, Steve and Kenny Bagan were my two senior counselors. So <laughs> I had a great cabin. I think we are in cabin nine. And, uh, you know, Steve Katz is legendary with uh, stuff, uh, whether he was climbing trees or mm. swimming. Uh, he was the best swimmer in camp, and uh, he's from Louisiana, and he had his way of communicating. But uh, it was just a, a fun summer, and, uh, you know, I remember I, in those days we'd bring up our stereos, and uh, sure. uh, they liked the music. Uh, you know, let's face it, it was 1969. It was the, my first year as a, a JC, and that was the year of, uh, of uh, Woodstock. So right. uh, music was very big then, and I always brought up a big collection, Nice. And uh, I, I shared with my uh, senior counselor some of the music that I liked, and uh, it was it was fun. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, what else? What are we missing? Well, I remember my, I think it was my second year I was with Cats. My first, or maybe it was, I know one year, I, my first year as a senior counselor, they put me in cabin one. Oh. And I said, now what did I do to deserve this? <laughs> but uh, you accepted it, sure. and you just... Uh, Dealt with the, the youngsters, and uh, and of course you always had your favorites. I don't know what it is about camp. You know, you always had certain kids you like more than other kids, and uh, it was a lot of fun. But like I said, uh, you know, dealing with kids that age when you're you're going to your campfire and uh, cooking food, you were doing more work than allowing the right. kids to do their own thing. So. You had to have a little more patience and uh, cleanup was brutal because you're just doing it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, for the most part. But yeah. uh, I think after a while, the kids figure it out. Uh, they know exactly when they have the uh, the cabin uh, cleanup competitions, and mm -hmm. they always left notes that the shoes weren't lined up, or there was a little dust under a bed, or uh, there was a towel on the floor, or something. I mean. Uh, those little things uh, were corrected, but uh, they took them pretty seriously. They were yeah. youngest kids at camp, and and they didn't want to be known as uh, babies. They wanted to they had some self-esteem, and it was their first year at camp, and they were young, and it was tricky at times. But you just uh, you got cabin one. You know, it wasn't forever. Right. It was for eight weeks, and you dealt with it. And hopefully, the following year, uh, 
you're going to get a, a better assignment. <laughs> and actually, Cabin One was pretty new. at the. It was the last of oh, the right. rebuilt Cabin When I went so there, was... obviously Cabin One was always there when I was there, but it, it, it definitely was the, the, new, the newest cabin. It had just become. Camp, and I think, yeah. uh, I'm trying to think if that cabin had a heater and some of the other ones did. I knew at some oh, point yeah. all the cabins got heaters. Uh, no air conditioning, obviously, right. but they put in these little uh, gas heaters and we put them on when it would get a little nippy at night. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. I, I live in cabin. I live in the dad's lunch, so that's now cabin fourteen. It's the yeah. oldest. So instead of having two years in thirteen, you do one in thirteen and one in fourteen. Yeah. And we, it's really. I mean, it might as well be a frat house. It's gorgeous in well, there. But when my uh, kids from my first marriage were younger, we used to go to post camp. Mm. I think we did it for about three or four years. I think the first year or two we were in cabins, and then one year we were in the hospital, which was great. And then I think our last year. I don't know how I lucked out. We got the dad's lodge for nice. post camp, and you know, uh, you know, everything's there. You know, <laughs> everything you have to deal with the exactly. newer, the old shower house. Exactly, you got everything the is there. Showers. So, yeah, that was a treat. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I know yeah. I'm a little biased, but that's my favorite. Even to post, that's the place you should be. Is and, it? And I just felt awful because I know Denny counted on my children who went to post camp for four years, but when they were old enough to go to camp, my wife, for one, re- my ex-wife, I should say, for one reason or another, felt camp was too. Uh, uh, too heavily into sports and was afraid that my two boys weren't going to be athletic enough to enjoy themselves and they ended up going to Camp Walden in in Michigan which was against my wishes but at that point well now we know why marriage should... there's certain things you uh, sure. accept and don't deal with but like I said my boys used to come up for about four years we went up to post camp mm-hmm. and had a gas well, now we know why she's an ex-wife. That's you know what <laughs> that was one of the reasons. Uh, I joke, but you know, no, it's, no it, it's true. And and there's got listen. There are guys who are lifelong camper camp Ojibwe guys, and sometimes it's just but not when the we right used fit. to come up for camp, uh, post camp. Uh, uh, well, actually, Feldman was Barry Feldman was there with his family, but he was more week one, which mm. were my, his dad was there, and you know, had the old the real old timers there. I used to go week two, and that's when Grant Bagan was there with his family. Uh, uh, David Matazar with, was there with his family, so it was just a second week, and yeah. uh, just the way it worked out with the, the calendar. So we accepted it, and we had a gas. So. Yeah, post is great. I I went to camp for several years before I ever stayed for post, and the first time I did, I was like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm staying every year. Now I run it, I run post camp um, in, in the seasons, and so I just fell in love right away. I just remember, uh, especially when in my my last couple of years as a senior counselor. I got lucky. I always got a JC who never wanted to go out. Oh, and nice. of course, uh, uh, getting out was you know at night was a, your chance to sure uh, a few brews or or whatever else was going on at that time, <laughs> and uh, it was just a fun time to to get out, go into town, and we had our, our favorite spots. I was saying, where were your to. spots? Where'd you go? We used to go to Ruby's. Uh, there were a couple of bars. Uh, uh, on the other side of town, I, I can't remember the names of sure. them, but they had live music. They were like indoor uh, ice arenas mm. that didn't have ice in the summertime, so they had the band, and uh, and uh, you know it was like two bucks to get in and uh, nice. hear a band. And I don't know if we were drinking beer in. I don't think they were drinking beer. We weren't all. You know, it come to think of it, you know, when we were a senior counselor. I was saying Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah then you yeah. could be eighteen. As a junior sure. counselor, I don't know. Remember if I had a fake ID, but. Uh, we got uh, served, and uh, it was uh, some good times getting out there. <laughs> uh, when we were in 13, we would have two or three socials a year. Mm. We were with either... Uh, we're safe with that, right? Yeah. <laughs> we would either go with Chippewa or Agawak uh, mm-hmm. or uh, Maramita. 
So we did have socials. Sometimes they'd come to camp. Sometimes we would, uh, and they were pretty controlled. There wasn't too much other than a, a close dance. Sure. Uh, there was no, uh, let's take a walk. And uh, <laughs> you had to watch yourself. You yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's really, uh, we were talking, so what I was saying a minute ago off mic was that I was speaking with Julie Levitz earlier today, who is one of the granddaughters and that sh- we were talking about the summer girls and how there were babysitters for a certain group of these of camp kids. And really those were the only strange, wi- there might be one nurse and then the summer girls were right. really the only shots right. you had. And if it wasn't that you were going townies, right? But, <laughs> now listen, you know, the, long every, summer. everybody had uh, active libidos. Sure. And, uh, you know, there were lots of playboys and penthouses and cabins. <laughs> there was a whole thing. Uh, who got the shepherds? Uh, hand cream. That was always uh, some <laughs> shtick. I mean, everybody was working went off in those days. Sure, of course. Uh, whether you did it in your cabin or you went into the rec hall and uh, picked a, a, a toilet uh, <laughs> to do your, your deed. But, uh, right. listen, everybody had to find pleasure. You know, listen. And I was always uh, somewhat active. <laughs> Absolutely. What else about camp? Um, and full disclosure, I got engaged to the camp nurse my first year, so it happens. There you <laughs> it go. Didn't pan yeah. out. Didn't pan out. <laughs> okay. You know, camp was special. I remember when uh, we became counselors, we kind of had a little thing saying camp wasn't for the campers. Camp was for the staff <laughs> because we just felt uh, it was the easy. I mean, that, I think my last year as a counselor, I think the most they ever paid me was five fifty for the summer. Mm. Uh, I think my first year they paid me 300 but even junior counselors, at that point, you had to wait tables, and they only paid you $75 for the summer. Yeah. I mean, it was room and board, but when you were a JC, you got no money. When you were a senior counselor, I think it started about 300 but I think my last year was like 550 so they never really paid you well, but it was just a question of a place to, to play ball, hang out yeah. with your buddies, go out at night and uh, catch a buzz or something, you know, uh, whatever, however you want to do it, and... Uh, and just make sure you get up for a dipper shower the next morning. <laughs> That's it. That's the big thing. Who came around and woke people up in the mornings? I mean, obviously there's the people. Well, the, but... well, uh, Lou Mager used to play the do the the trumpet when he was there, and then it became a recording. Obviously, mm-hmm. Paul James did it for a little bit, but then again, uh, I just remember it was more of a recording. Uh, then, of course, dipper shower. We, they used to line us up right uh, right in front of the waterfront, and Al would go through a various. Uh, uh, bunch of exercises uh and they were classic i don't remember them uh, all but the uh, deep breathing exercises we used to have to do but we do about five or ten minutes worth of exercises calisthenics and then you'd say dipper shower and you half the kids ran and uh, jumped in the lake and the other half of the kids went into the, the new shower house and or the old shower house sure <clears throat> now were you more of a dip or a shower i was more of a shower guy i just uh didn't like that cold uh, water first thing in the morning. I, I hear you, man. Even if I had to wait around, because I think I only had maybe 10 or 15 showers. So if you had to wait outside a little bit, it was no big deal. What's your hurry? Breakfast wasn't for a little bit. And if you got back early, then you got to start cleaning up your, your area. So, right. uh, you know, it was a time to be social. Uh, and I remember, well, I know they don't have this anymore, but they had super scrub up on Saturdays. And sure. <laughs> super clean up. Now, super scrub up, I mean, that was a little bit out there. I don't know. <laughs> Legally, if it would create a problem, but uh, they would go go from station to station. One counselor would do your hair, somebody else would do your your shoulders and your back, and of course, somebody would get down there and get on the groin. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's all changed a lot. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm talking about 
I'm sure you've heard it from other interviews, <laughs> of course. but uh, of course, it was yeah. a different camp then. It was uh, you know different uh, different time, different yeah. roles. Yeah, absolutely. Even just uh, Dipper Shower at all. I mean, we talked about bringing back the calisthenics, but not the uh, the nakedness of it all. <laughs> But it was, yeah. it was a classic, and, you know, when uh, Al used to uh, go around at night, uh, cabin 12, all in, all in, Al. Good night, boys. Good night, Al. I mean, that was really special Yeah. Uh, when we uh, were growing up and being a, a camper. Obviously, when we were a counselor, it wasn't effective, but just to, to hear a good night uh, from Al Schwartz uh, and, of course, Mickey uh, later on, uh, it was special. It just... Uh, End of the evening, they played taps every night, and uh, occasionally they'd knock on your door and said, I heard you guys have been great, and uh, we're going to bring in a couple boxes of uh, uh, popsicles or ice cream cones or cookies or something. So that was always special, getting a treat. Uh, yeah, for sure. You know, after taps. Yeah. These days, everyone gets one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's the way of the world, right? <laughs> So, um, so as we uh, as we're winding down a little bit, I was asked two final questions. Number one, um, you're now a grown up, and you've lived a life. How has that life been affected by your time? Oh, at camp? it's been seriously impacted. Uh, you know, I think I can't fall the time. Uh, whether I get a uh, uh, even a lead from a, a customer, and I I don't know how Ojibwa comes up. And just the other day, uh, I got a uh, a customer came in the dealership and. A guy in his 80s, his name is Goldblatt. And I, and, I, and I found out he was one of the original Goldblatts. And I said to him, uh, any relation to the, remember Lynn Walker Goldblatt? She goes, yeah, that was my aunt. Uh, I said, what about her? He says, well, when I was at camp in the 60s, uh, Leo DeRocha was dating Lynn Walker Goldblatt. And uh, he left in the middle of a game on a Friday. And Lynn had a son, Joel Goldblatt, who was a camper. And Leo DeRocha came up to camp. And spent the weekend. Of course, he eventually got busted, but uh, he said he wasn't feeling well, and he was going to. Uh, and he just left the game, and he was courting this woman. I've, according to the Goldblatt, I just sold the cards. He said Lynn had a lot of money, and Leo was a uh, Derosha was kind of hanging on because uh, she had some wealth, and he was willing sure. to uh, leave the team to go up. And uh, so he sat there for the jubilee. And <laughs> it's funny. I read. Uh, I read somewhere. Uh, Somebody had posted it. I Googled it, and sure enough, there was a medicine man. There was yep. a special medicine man when Leo DeRocher was there. And I don't remember this, but according to what the medicine man said, Leo DeRocher walked with Al Schwartz and said the good nights and, uh, and walked into cabins and introduced himself. I don't remember that, but if it's yeah. in the medicine man, it happened. It must be true. If it's it in the medicine man, true. absolutely. I remember when the, uh, I, I can't think of their names, but they would be picking up the scraps of uh, all the food and they, they would, own, these people owned a, a bunch of pigs mm. and all the scraps from the plates from all the meals, I don't know if it was composted or what, but uh, they used to come by and, and uh, bags and take it to, to, to their swine. Wow. So uh, I remember that. I remember uh, the delivery of the milk, um, it was just uh, fun. Even being a junior counselor uh, and waiting on tables, it was kind of cool. We got to uh, have lunch or dinner or all of our meals before the camper, so the food was always nice and hot. And uh, we got, you know, sometimes till the food got out there to a camper, you know, it's, it was a little different. But uh, it was special uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, being a JC and sitting at first staff, second staff, and third staff. That's where 
the junior counselor's aides. And, uh, Are the, were those in the front or were those? No, they were the closest to the, the campus diamond. Oh, Cabin gotcha, 13 gotcha. was opposite, and then the long tables were in the middle. Gotcha. So uh, we lay it out a little bit differently now because the break's not in the middle. The break is on the sides of the two long tables. Mm-hmm. But everything else is basically the same. It's a and little we different. we don't do a camp. lot of weighted meals either. Yeah. What's that? We don't do that many weighted meals. We only do one a week. Yeah. I, so that's changed. I remember near the end they used to have Sunday buffets. Yeah. I think my last year at camp, I think they, they were experimenting with that. But uh, I think it was just on Sundays it would be a buffet. Yeah. and uh, you, Eventually we, we just got so big that we had to. We couldn't fit everyone in sitting at the same time. It was such a struggle. Yeah, no, so it certainly just, wasn't then. I think uh, – I don't think they ever had over 200 campers when we were there. Mm. I think one summer there were only 150 campers, and maybe they had 180. But, uh, you know, our cabins, I don't remember ever being – I know they have bunk beds in cabins now. Right. We never had bunk beds before, uh, except in cabin 13. They were the built-in bunk – you know, they were the built-in. Mm-hmm. But all the other cabins never had bunk beds in them. Hmm. But I guess uh, Daniel accommodates. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, they, they figured out a way to make it comfortable and still everyone feel good about it. So. What were they getting? About $8,700 <laughs> for eight weeks I believe of camp? It, I believe this year it is $8,750 uh, for I was uh, uh, shocked. I think when I was there, it was under $1,000. Yeah. It was uh, $750, $550, something like that. It's different times, obviously. Yeah. But, and uh, and honestly, we're we're middle of the road of the camps up there. I mean, we're not the most expensive. We're not the least expensive, but like we're not even close to the most expensive. But we have the history. That's right. That no other camp has. That's for sure. That is correct. Yeah. All right, my friend. Well, thank you so much for this. This is great. Thank, thank you I for hope coming I gave out. You some cool camp awesome. stuff, and uh, you know, I'm, you know, everybody has a little bit different. But like I said, camp to me was very special. Like I said, uh, I, I opted not to be a third year JC. You know, at that point, uh, I was probably 20 or 9, you know, uh, yeah, 20. I wasn't waiting on tables sure. because of our birthday. But then, and then I was a, a junior counselor or a senior counselor for two of three years. So uh, 72, 73, and 74 was my last year. And the last thing I want to tell you, which I thought was a major accomplishment, our last, my last year at camp with Rick as senior counselors, Rick and I... Rick won watermelon and soccer major, and I won pineapple and soccer A. So uh, we got wow. a special. Denny made a special announcement. The Patter Boys did pretty well their last year at camp, <laughs> uh, winning leagues. And That's that, amazing. That was uh, exciting. And uh, and I always had Kenny Gorlick. Uh, I know he probably was a JC, hmm. and it was a counselor, but uh, he was always my first pick on both my teams, and he was an incredible athlete. I don't remember many of the other ones, but... Uh, it was it was big. Winning leagues was big. I For mean, sure. Dragon rights, you know, and uh, it was fun uh, drafting players and uh, having discussions. Uh, whether it was Collegiate Week or even when you were drafting for Pineapple or Watermelon League, yeah, uh, it was it was uh, it was fun. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, That's it. my friend. Hope I gave you some good stuff. I think. Okay, that is it. Another one in the books, Rob Patter. These two guys were awesome. Uh, I was super happy to meet Rick out in California, and he'd been trying to kind of get back in the fold. I told him he should definitely reach out to Denny. He, in fact, did. And then these guys, he came to Chicago, and together they came up to camp uh, for the first time in many, many years during uh, pre-camp this year. 
and it was fantastic to get them here. They got to hang out at camp for a few days, have a great time. Uh, just a couple of really great guys and happy to know that the Ojibwe History Project is helping to bring the ties back together. All right. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, as always, you know how. Drop me an email, Christopher, at CampOjibwaHistory.org. Or, of course, just swing by the website. Check things out there, CampOjibwaHistory.org. It is an awful day. It is an awful day. It's raining, but it's not that. I just, I gotta, I gotta forgo the cigars. I gotta go back to bed. 